broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we are kicking off hour number three of the show at Buffalo Wild Wings. Every Friday we're at a different Buffalo Wild Wings. And today we're at 4280 South Wallapai. Come on by. Veterans, you're eating for free. Ten boneless wings and fries. Just come on by and say what's up and you'll get hooked up. Not to mention we have a lot of prizes that we're still giving out. Uh, we've gone through a lot, but we've got some left that uh, we're trying to give away. So come on by and say what's up. As we kick off hour number three of the show, we have our good friend Sam Gordon from the RJ on the phone lines. And Sam, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. As always, my man, we do appreciate you. And you were there at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center earlier today when Head Coach John Joshua Daniels met with all of us and, you know, talked about Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro being on IR and how the team moves forward. What was your biggest takeaways from what Coach had to say this, uh, this morning? Well, first and foremost, Q, it's a pleasure to be on the program. I uh, really appreciate you having me. Happy Friday. It's great to see you today uh, at Media Availability. What I gathered, Q, um, very different tenor uh, today. Very, very, very different tenor than we've heard earlier in the season. I think, I mean, Josh McDaniels isn't going to come out and say this, and obviously the Raiders – the players, they're go- I mean, they're going to prepare uh, for every game seriously, and they're going to try and win. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think kind of the sentiment is, look, it's time to, you know, evaluate some younger players, maybe give some different looks, and then if we happen to win in the process, uh, then great. But, but that doesn't seem to – not necessarily – I'm not going to say it doesn't take priority, but the priorities overall have shifted a little bit. That certainly mm-hmm. uh, was a sentiment I, I gathered. We, we heard Josh McDaniels talk a little bit more about the big picture and – that they're learning and evaluating, and that's you know what we would expect them to say, right, at this juncture of the season, um, especially after the way things have gone and, and just kind of not getting off to the start that they wanted to. So uh, it's, I mean, don't get me wrong, this is a game that they come out and expect, you know, are expecting to win uh, against the Colts team that really has struggles on the offensive line, that has an absolute, absolute rookie of a head coach in every sense of the word, uh, and that has question marks, big question marks at quarterback. I mean, it's still a game that you have to come back and win before your home crowd at the Stadium. I think that's understood. But uh, overall, the tenor sounds a little bit more forward-thinking, Q. That's certainly what I was able to take away. No, I agree 100%. It definitely sounded like a lot of future, 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 as opposed to now, 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 when we talk to head coach Josh McDaniels. Again, Sam Gordon is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Now, I, I said earlier on the show, take the front office out of it, take the coaching staff, and take all the future, future, future. How much do you think or how important do you think it is for those players in the locker rooms, the guys that have been grinding all season long, all training camp, all preseason, how important do you think it is for them to get a win on Sunday? I think it's huge, Q. I think it's huge, right? Regardless of the organizational's intentions or, or, or the, the plans or the forward thinking, I mean, these are professionals that, that are playing at the highest of levels, and, and they don't want to lose, period. Right. I mean, you don't want to lose. Players do not tank. Organizations uh, make the decisions to tank. And, I'm, again, I don't want to necessarily frame this as a, a full-blown tank, per right. se, uh, but just speaking you know, more generally. So I think the players, I mean, they definitely, I think, for the, the morale and whatever culture you want to build moving forward, right? I mean, we, we hear Josh McDaniels talk about, again, moving forward, establishing some continuity, some stability here, uh, bringing that to the Raiders franchise because they haven't had that. Well, that starts with building a culture where there's expectations and things are done a certain way, win or lose, and, and, and it, it builds a mentality and sets standards uh, that this franchise, quite frankly, hasn't had for quite some time. So if that's the intention, right, it, it's super important for the leadership in that locker room 
uh, to remain active and, and to, to try and build towards victories. Again, players do not tank. I wholeheartedly believe that. And, and uh, besides, a, a loss to this Colts team um, is just inexcusable, right? Uh, especially yes. after what that, that organization is going through uh, as a whole right now, an organization that kind of in crisis itself. So uh, the Raiders aren't at that point yet, and, and because of that, they need to come out and get a victory. Yeah, I've said it so many times, Sam. I said they have no business losing this game on Sunday. That's not saying that they won't, right? But, I mean, they have no business mm-hmm. losing the game because, of, like you said, everything that Indy has gone through. So, you know, the way I look at it, we know what the offense could look like, or at least we think we know what the offense could look like with everybody healthy, with Waller, Renfro, Adams all out there. We feel like that the offense could be really good, but I believe there's still a lot of questions on what this defense potentially could look like if – if the right weapons or, or the right players are in place, what do you think Patrick Graham needs defensively? Like, what do you think he needs to be able to put his defense in play? Well, I, I think you. I think you were expecting probably a more dynamic pass rush um, than, than what they've had this year, right? I think every good defense uh, at the foundation of a great defense is a, is a good pass rush, and that doesn't necessarily mean getting eight sacks a game or whatever, but it means being able to affect the quarterback on a semi-consistent basis. And, and right now, outside of Max Crosby. Um, nobody's been able to do that for this Raiders team, right? So uh, finding a way to get more, uh, I guess, depth and, and a little bit more pop on the defensive line or in a pass rush, um, I think it's a good place to start. I think depth at linebacker uh, has been an issue this year, right? I mean, the middle of the field has been has been vulnerable, I think, all year uh, when, when teams choose to go there and kind of get into their short and intermediate passing game and just having a little bit more flexibility, a little bit more speed at linebacker, um, I think would be a great place to start uh, there. And, again, just like depth in the secondary as well, and I think we're going to see. I mean, with, with Jonathan Abram being waived, um, clearly the def- you, you want to start evaluating different players and again give different looks um, on the defensive side of the ball to different players. So it's really, I, I mean, you, you have foundational players in Max Crosby uh, and Nate Hobbs, right? Long term, provided yeah. he's able to, to recover 100. percent You know, you have those in place, but beyond that, I, I think they need just kind of you know a little bit more. You don't want to say youth per se, but a little bit more pop at certain positions you know, up front, and then to build out some depth on the back end. So it's, it's kind of a wholesale um, rebuild. I mean, it, it, you, you know, Gus Bradley last year was able to kind of patch it together, uh, and, 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 and just it hasn't happened this season uh, for Patrick Graham. So that's, I think, definitely a massive priority, right? Like you said, there's, the offense, there are pieces in place to get things going offensively, and they've been able to move the ball. But as far as stopping teams, it, it just hasn't happened at all this season. No, it really hasn't. Sam Gordon is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Necessary Roughness. So with that offense in particular, this game, Waller's out, Renfro's out. We know Jacobs is there. We know Adams is there. How do you think that Josh McDaniels attacks this Gus Bradley defense? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a great question, right? I expect us to see a lot of Devontae Adams again because, I mean, the obvious reasons he's Devontae Adams. And um, when he's featured in, in kind of different capacities, he's been super effective. I want to see if they get him involved um, underneath a little bit more, Q, like they did, I think, in the first half of the Jacksonville game. I mean, he was so effective uh, in those kind of spots, and even in Green Bay, you know, going at, uh, getting yards after the catch, making something out of nothing, making a defender miss. And I think those are, there are clever ways to get him the ball um, in space. So I expect you know, Josh McDaniels to dial some of those looks up. And then I'm wondering if you try and uh, establish the run a little bit earlier, right? Uh, we know Indy's run defense has been solid, but we also learned today that Shaquille Leonard is on IR, and you know, his, his season is quite possibly over one of the best linebackers in the league. And when the Raiders were running the ball uh, earlier in the year, uh, it gave them a sort of an identity. And I feel like if you take a look at the last couple of games, they've really lacked that for major stretches of the game. So, uh, of course, Matt Collins, is, uh, he's, I think, uh, somebody that we can expect to step up based on what we've seen um, this year and just kind of how he's popped when his number's been called. So I think he's going to be able to re- replace some of that, um, you know, just catches at, at the intermediate and even down the field. He can stretch the field as well. 
uh, and provide some, some relief to Devontae Adams that way. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what they, what they mix up, right? I mean, the offense hasn't been whole. Um, we haven't really seen what Josh McDaniels has had in mind because that group, you know, those top three uh, pass catchers haven't played together um, this year, and we're, we're not going to. So that, that's just kind of the reality of the season was where they're at. So it's about, again, piecing it together and giving other guys um, different looks, looks, but still expecting a lot of Adams and Jacobs. You know, you mentioned Jacobs and the run game and maybe getting it established a little bit earlier. Is this a game where you could potentially see more carries for a Zamir White? Not that Josh Jacobs is doing anything wrong, but because they're doing evaluations. Yeah, absolutely. And, and at the end of the day, um, you have to do your due diligence. And, and you know, Josh Jacobs, um, he's shown what he can do. I think regardless of uh, how he finishes statistically or what his workload is, right, he's proven to be a, a feature back. Um, at the highest of levels this season, has handled massive workload. So regardless of if Zamir White uh, you know, takes some carries or he gets evaluated, I think Josh Jacobs has, has done himself massive favors um, in free agency. So with that being said, I think it would be wise to give White some, some more looks and, and just kind of see what you have there. And if he is the guy um, moving forward that you might want to feature at the running back position, right? We know Josh McDaniels um, has historically liked to, to utilize a number of different backs. It's been, that's why it's been, I think, a little surprising for some people that Jacobs was, was such a featured uh, piece in the offense earlier this year. But, again, that was his MO in New England, multiple backs, so maybe we see um, some looks like that uh, throughout the game on Sunday. Sam Gordon is our guest. You can find all his work on the RJ, and he's with us here on Unnecessary Roughness Red Nation Radio 920. My man, Demon Cotton, who's back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, he's got one for you. We've heard so much throughout this season about how expansive this, this playbook is with Josh McDaniels. It's like learning a different language. It's like calculus. As, as we've seen this season, it not be, you know, the results are just not there for the Raiders. Do you think they're going to dial that back, or do you think that they're just going to go, you know, just all out guns blazing, or are we going to see more of a remedial version of this Josh McDaniels offense? Yeah, Demond, I think that's a great question, right? I think it would be wise, I mean, just kind of generally speaking, to Taylor – um, some schematics and offense to, to your personnel that you have, right? You have to maximize the players that you have in place. I don't think that's happened um, this year for whatever reason, right? Health being a part of it, maybe some issues up front being a part of it. And like, like you said, maybe you know, the, the, the offense, if, if it is indeed that complex, there's going to be somewhat of a learning curve. But with that being said, the expectation was still to win, right? And, and to win a lot. Um, and the games have been there uh, to, to be won. But with that being said, yeah, I think we will see maybe some different looks um, on Sunday that we haven't necessarily seen. Uh, would like to see, uh, I mean, Derek Carr got in a fantastic, he was in a fantastic rhythm uh, in the first half on Sunday against Jacksonville. Want to, want to see what kind of rhythm they, they can get him in early, especially with him working with a new uh, cast of pass catchers. Not entirely new, uh, per se, but maybe we see more DJ Turner. So, yeah, I would expect maybe some adjustments on the offensive side of the ball because, again, this is still a game. Uh, that you want to win, and it's still a, a showcase opportunity for young players. And, uh, again, uh, just emphasizing how important it is to beat a, a Colts team uh, with a brand-new head coach that has never coached before. So there, I do expect there to be a sense of urgency um, and, and then moving, looking to move the ball in different ways, whatever that may be. Now, now let me tell you, I, don't, I can't have you on the phone, Sam, and I can't have DeMon Cotton in the Finley Cadillac Performance <laughs> Studio to fight guys without talking UFC 281. And I know DeMon's got a couple UFC questions, so go ahead, DeMon, let it rip, because I got questions with the UFC, but I'm going to let you lead it off. You're the fight game man. All right, Sam, have you ever seen a storyline? Because I'm just so intrigued by the story with Israel Adesanya and Alex Pereira. Well, some guy that's just, hey, he's like almost walking off the streets with no former MMA experience, and he's just walking down Israel Adesanya. I don't know if you saw, like, the native face paint that he has. The guy looks like a killer, literally. Like, just, are you intrigued by this story, even even beside, like, hey, what's actually going to happen inside the octagon? 
Yeah, I mean, no question, right? When you look at uh, just kind of how dominant Izzy's been in the UFC, and um, you, you take, I mean, there's just like a level and aura of the kind of invincibility that he's worn, right, since he began his career um, in mixed martial arts. But in Pereira, you have somebody that has, has beaten him, and not only beaten him, but beaten him at his own game. So, I mean, I, I, I don't think, I mean, I, you, with that being said, um, it, I, do, I do think it creates a fascinating storyline and, and what's changed in the last few years and how have guys adapted and, and kind of what remains um, from their previous meeting. So it's been definitely a fascinating build-up. I mean, one of the best cars in the year of the year um, so far, no doubt about it. And then you take a look at that main event. So, yeah, you have it all. You have the stylistic matchup. You have the history. Um, you, you have everything kind of in place uh, to have a massive promotion. And, and, and I think the um, when you take a look at what, what happens this weekend, I think that's going to reflect that. You got any more, Demond? Oh, no. Also, I wanted to move. I wanted, Q, if you had a UFC question, go for it, because I also wanted to talk to him about some boxing. Okay, well, I just wanted to ask about, I, I believe it's the main event, uh, Dustin Poirier and, uh, and, and Michael Chandler. What are your thoughts on that one? That's another fascinating fight, too, right? I mean, I mean, this is a, just a, you know, an interesting rivalry um, and just stylistically another strong matchup, right, with two of the biggest names um, in UFC and, again, adding to the depth of the card. So, I mean, we'll see. It's, I think it's kind of a crossroads um, kind of fight for both guys with where they're at right now and um, just trying to bolt back, um, you know, into contention. So it's a, it's a fascinating fight. Um, at the lightweight division, again, reflects the depth of the card that they put together. And if you want to hear from uh, Michael Chandler or Dustin Poirier, you can check out the latest episode of The Fight Game with Demond Cotton. Wherever well, you there you podcast. go. See, I, I teed mean... you up. See how I did? That was, a, that was an assist, man. I got my Magic Johnson on. I go, I get in, I dropped an assist in your in your lap, man. All right, Sam. And then this top-ranked card that's going to be happening at the Palms tomorrow, our guy Craig in promotions, he hit me up today and he said, call me. And I'm like, okay, well, let's see what Craig wants. He's like, hey, man, do you want to go? There's a fight card at the Palms tomorrow. And I see Sam Gordon tweeting about it. So it's got to be big. Is this the first card back at the Palms since it's been open? Yeah, yeah, it, it is, and that, and that in and of itself is there's a kind of an element of nostalgia, right? We forget. I mean, I certainly haven't been there, you know, for it, but I've heard about kind of how um, popping the Palms was at one point and how it was kind of a centerpiece um, in town. So I haven't, again, I haven't quite seen that energy, but the, reop- the reopening of the Palms I think is great uh, for the city, is great for the community with the history that the hotel has, and then um, it makes sense, right, that they want to do a boxing card there to, make, to, to bring people back to the property. So uh, it's, it's the first, I believe it's the first fight card in town just in general, um, demand since I think uh, Canelo Triple G a couple months ago. So you know, not not necessarily a massive promotion per se, but still fun to have boxing back, and again, fun to have a presence with the Palms. All right, so I got to get your thoughts on this. <laughs> who's ducking? Who's Spence Crawford? Ooh. Oh, geez. Oh, that's uh, that's a um, that's a tremendous question, um, Demond. I think I think both fighters want to fight, right? I think it's just this is a, this is a situation. Um, where the business of the sport can be really, really frustrating, right? And, and you, you've heard, we've kind of heard the side, you know, from both fighters uh, at this point. Uh, Bud Crawford doing his, his Instagram live and kind of presenting his side of why the negotiations fell apart and Errol, Errol Spence Jr. responding on Twitter and then kind of the back and forth that they've had. So at the end of the day, right, I, I try, when, when you have kind of different perspectives on this um, floating around, you try and take everything from a grain of salt. I think ultimately, and, and you know, I, I, it, it's going to sound like a weak answer, but I think that just kind of the business of the sport, um, you know, it fell apart. And, and when taking a look at it from Crawford's perspective, right, because we know um, the fight that he has, he's going to get a reported $10 million guaranteed um, to fight a, a much lesser opponent, right, a dangerous opponent, um, but not somebody that he, he's expected to have real trouble with, just somebody expected um, to, to, to make for an interesting fight in David Avenician. So uh, it's in his hometown. It's $10 million guaranteed. It's far less risk. From a business perspective, it makes sense that he's taking that fight right now, especially with the defense negotiations dragging out. So at the end of the day, hopefully 
Terrence Crawford, for the sake of boxing, right? Hopefully Terrence Crawford takes care of business. Errol Spence takes care of business in his next fight, which is, again, rumored. I mean, Bud Crawford came out and said this on his IG Live. Supposed to be against Keith Thurman. We'll see. And let's wait. Like one thing we've learned here is that we got to wait until something's announced, um, especially in a sport like boxing where negotiations can fall apart at the 11th hour. But if those two guys take care of business, um, then there's a chance perhaps that these re- negotiations restart and maybe we can get this fight sometime um, next year. But it's, 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 it's running out. Uh, it's going to pass its due date um, pretty soon if they don't get this figured out. It would really be a shame for boxing if, if Spence Crawford um, doesn't happen. We have one of the great what-ifs uh, in a long list of what-ifs that we've had in boxing history. Speaking of fights that I just do not want to wait for, Devin Haney, Vasily Lomachenko, I know mm. that it's already in the works, but when do you think a, a target date's going to be for this fight? Yeah, I think maybe February or March um, would make sense, right? Both guys are coming off of fights uh, in October, and I think you saw kind of the promotion, like you said, Demond, like you alluded to, get kickstarted a little bit um, in the ring after Lomachenko's last fight. Uh, just in, in speaking in terms of a when and a where, I think that fight makes sense um, for right here in Las Vegas, being that uh, Devin Haney, as the undisputed champion, will be the A-side. This is where he lives. Uh, this is where he trains for the most part, and it would make sense uh, to have a fight for the undisputed lightweight championship in Las Vegas on the Las, at one of the properties um, on the Las Vegas Strip. So, again, I think that's going to be first quarter uh, 2023. It would make a ton of sense. And I think from a matchup perspective, um, super interesting matchup, right? Uh, does Vasily Lomachenko still have uh, the, the tools that had him at the top of the sport uh, for several years? I thought he looked a little – I mean, he found his rhythm late in his last fight, uh, but looked a little sloppy early, was getting tagged, I think, a little bit more than we're used to. Defense not quite up to par where I think Devin Haney is evolving as a fighter, right? Where Celia Lomachenko a little bit past his prime, Devin Haney working and building towards his prime. I thought his performance against George Cambosis in the rematch was dominant, uh, and it was a little bit different style, a little bit more entertaining, a little bit more willing to trade and come forward than he was in the first matchup. So uh, that's going to be a fascinating fight, a great matchup uh, in the first quarter. Again, I believe the first quarter of 2023 is when it would make sense to be targeted, and, and Las Vegas would be a great site. Um, given that you know that everything that's at stake, and considering where Devin Haney um, lives and trains. All right, so this is my last one about boxing. I might be the Are only person sure? who wants this. <laughs> yeah, well, we're having them on cue. You let me go. I know. Look, hey, go. man, hey, man, I'm going to go ahead and hey, take man, the rest of the show off. Yeah. <laughs> Am I the only person that wants to see Arthur Bitabidev and Dmitry Bivol? Like, because I feel like that's the fight to make at light heavyweight, but I don't think anybody really wants to see it. Benavidez and Bivol? Yes. Um... I, I mean, I think that would be fascinating, right? I mean, that, that, I don't know when the timing would happen, um, given that what, Devin, what David Benavidez has lined up at 168 pounds uh, with, with Caleb Plant and, you know, potentially chasing um, the Canelo Alvarez fight in September. But if that fight doesn't happen, if he doesn't get the Canelo fight, how many more, I guess, real marquee fights are, for the, are, are there for him at 168 pounds? And then if he goes Oh, up no, I said, I said Bebo. Oh. Oh, you th- Benavidez and Bebo? Or be, better be Evan Bebo. What Bebo are we talking about? Bebo, Bebo? Uh, Bebo, Bebo, Bebo. Bebo, Bebo, I don't have any idea what the hell you guys. You guys are talking Spanish. Espanol. The Canadian, <laughs> Russian, and the Russian, Dimitri Bebo. Oh, uh, uh, we're, we're going to get that. I think at some point we're going to get that fight, uh, Demonic. We're talking about the undisputed at 175. I yes. apologize. I misheard you. I thought you were talking about David Benavidez coming up from 168 to fight Dimitri Bebo, which, again, I think down the road could make for a very fascinating fight especially given the increasing profile of both fighters with the fights that they're most recently involved in. But better be a B-ball classic boxer-puncher um, matchup, right? B-ball with the, the fleet feet, the speed that he showcased last week against uh, Zerto Ramirez, the ring generalship, uh, and the defense. You can't hit him. I mean, he's really, really hard to hit. We've seen that now twice against two guys at the top 
uh, of their respective divisions. Canelo coming up at 175, of course, being Canelo. And then Zerto Ramirez, who was undefeated um, and was knocking everybody out at 175. Couldn't hit Dimitri Bivol. Uh, of course, he hasn't been in the ring with a puncher quite like Arthur, uh, Arthur Betterbeev, who's, who's knocked everybody out. I mean, that just has destructive power. So I think it's going to happen. If it does, I, I favor Bivol. We've seen history shows uh, the, bo- the boxer tends to beat the puncher. So I think we'll get that. It's a massive fight at 175 pounds for Undisputed. And, and quite frankly, I think one of the best matchups uh, in boxing, if, if they are able to put it together, the, the two promotional parties are able to put it together for Undisputed. There you go. There it is right there. I mean, that is a great uh, that is a great breakdown and a great preview of what you can get on the fight game on DeMond Cotton's show that he does every Thursday on uh, on 1230 of the game. Uh, what time is it at again? Noon? Is that what time your show yes, is? Yes, it is noon. There you go. Hey, look. <laughs> I just feel like I went through your show right now, and I, I feel so much more educated and confused at the same time. But, uh, Sam, great job, man. Fantastic stuff. Uh, we do appreciate you. What you got coming out on the RJ that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, uh, speaking of the card at the Palms, too, I, I have a feature running tomorrow about Sinisha Estrada, who's debuting with Top Rank. Uh, they're going to be fighting the co-feature tomorrow, one of the best female fighters in the world, top, probably top, top five pound for pound, uh, have been on the shelf for 11 months, at changing promoters, uh, so now with Top Rank. So I have something coming on her. Um, tomorrow, and then something on uh, the transition, right? In Sunday's paper, previewing the Raider game, the transition, some of the things behind the scenes that coordinators go through uh, when they become head coaches. So some of the things we don't necessarily think about that are part of the job, um, that might be challenging in, in year one for, for, for coordinators becoming head coaches. So appreciate you guys having me on. I always enjoy um, the sports talk, whatever it is, football and boxing, and, and, and we'll see you out at the stadium on Sunday. No doubt. Sam, great stuff as always, man. It was great to see you today, and I do appreciate you. And like, like you said, I'll see you on Sunday at uh, Legion Stadium. All right, appreciate it, Q. Thanks, Damon. Talk soon. Take care, There guys. he goes. Sam Gordon from the RJ on Twitter, at Gordon and with us here on Radio Nation Radio 920. And look, Sam Gordon cannot be on the show without us talking some fighting. I mean, I, I wouldn't, even though I am very green behind the ears when it comes to uh, the fight game, Damon Cotton is a, uh, is a pro's pro, but uh, I'm very green. I still would ask. I still have to ask because, I mean, that's, uh, that's, Sam, that's part of Sam's bag, man, and that's part of your bag. So uh, when you two guys get together, I don't mind <laughs> taking a couple steps back and letting you all just do what you do. All right, Q, and you asked, so I got to get your thoughts on the fight that you asked about for UFC 281, Michael Chandler versus Dustin Poirier. Who are you picking, sight unseen? I have no idea. <laughs> no, seriously, I, I'll, I'll be 100% honest with you why I asked because I'm going to be doing ESPN uh, National Radio Saturday night, and we have Greece. Greece is going to be on. You know Greece. Yeah, really yeah. Well. He's going to be on, and I know that that's going to be a part of the segment that we talk about. Uh, it's going to be me and Courtney Cronin. We're going to be on doing a, a game night on ESPN Radio, and so I know that that is part of the segment. I'm just trying to get educated, so I have some, you know, like I'm basically letting you guys do the research so I can go ahead and do the show on Saturday and know what I'm talking about. Michael Chandler, Dustin Poirier, two great guys, two great guys outside of the Octagon. Michael Chandler might edge him out. I'm picking Michael Chandler because he's he, there's two great guys, like the things that they do outside of the cage. But Michael Chandler, man, I mean, he's a great guy. Yeah, I, I, so that's I would, that's why I'm like, I want. It's like, who am I rooting for? It's it's dead even. Everything's dead even, and they're two great guys. It's like, ah, man, I don't know who to choose here. I would take your word for it, and I would roll with that and trust it, like it's facts. But last time I took your word for it, and I roll with it. Well, the last two times I took your word for what, it. What One, are you talking about? I'm about to tell you right now. First, you told me that AJ Cole played softball in high school. He did not. I said basketball. No, you definitely did not. You said softball, and so when I asked him about it at the softball game. He said, no, I have not. I said, thank you, Damon. So, one, I look like a dummy. So, uh, that's one, me taking your, your word for it. And two, uh, you said that Black Adam was really good movie, and when I went, it was terrible. 
So that's 0 for 2. No, Q, that is, that's subjective right there. That's like beauties in the beholder of the eyes right there. That's Black Adam was a masterpiece. It, uh, with who? With the streets, Q. I gave you the Rotten Tomato score. What streets said Black Adam was a masterpiece? The audience Black gave it Adam 100%. Black Adam was a mess. Black Adam was the an cr- absolute Q, mess. Q, we're not going to have this again. Like, you critics gave it a 40%. But you the audience critics, score, the, no. the streets are saying, the audience is saying The streets 90%. don't know what the hell they're talking about. The streets are terrible. That was an awful movie. That dude was floating. I mean, when he was floating, well, first of all, all this, I don't, I'm not trying to be a spoiler, but all the different things that happened in that movie was the biggest load of BS I had ever seen in my life. I, kept, I was sitting there the whole time. All I kept thinking is, like, man, I'm glad this uh, popcorn is good. That's all I kept thinking is, man, this is a good seat I have, and this popcorn is good. I'm trying not to fall asleep. And I didn't. But I didn't. diamonds in the sky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was like, are, what are we, in a hip-hop video? Are we shouting out The Rock? It's Hoove. We doing right? it for I Condoc. Mean, That's what we doing. Let's go. What was the name of the city? Condoc. What the hell's a Condoc? Yo, man, yo. I don't know, man. D.C., they like to, I mean. Condoc. Are, I mean, come on. What's Metropolis? Metropolis I mean, at least sounds believable. At least <laughs> Wakanda believe, sounds believable. Wakanda sounds like it could be a place. Condoc sounds like something I found on the bottom of my shoe. What's that <laughs> on the bottom of your shoe, Q? That's a little Condoc. Right? I mean, seriously. <laughs> oh, damn. I stepped in some Condoc. That's what that sounds like. Yeah, exactly. Look, I just said that, and Angel was like, ew, that don't even sound right. <laughs> exactly. If I told you I had some Condoc on the bottom of my shoe, you'd be like, oh, that's gross. That tells you all you need to know. 425 is the time. 4280 South Wallapai is where we're at. This is Buffalo Wild Wings. Veterans, you eat for free. Ten boneless wings and fries for your service. We appreciate you, and we want to serve you as you served for us. Come on by hang out with us. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. We've had a fun show so far today, man. We really put our foot into it. You know, I always like to have a lot of pride in everything we do here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. always like to put a lot into it, a lot of thought into each and every show. But, man, today has really been one hell of a show. And it's not because of me. It's not because of Demond. It's because of you. And it's because of our uh, fantastic guests that we've had. From Cassie Soto, who joined us live here at Buffalo Wild Wings, 4280 South Wallapai. To Charlie Clifford, who joined us talking all things Colts. Sam Gordon, fantastic job talking Raiders and UFC 281 and boxing and any other kind of combat sport that DeMond could come up with. And then Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com. Hell of a show for this Friday, man. Really do appreciate everyone's efforts. Of course, we got a bunch of texts as well at 69187, keyword R&R. And I know we haven't been real text-heavy today. I know we haven't been real phone-heavy, but, man, uh, it's been a fun one. It really has. And, uh, I, again, I want to salute to all the veterans uh, we still have plenty of veterans that are rolling in here at Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, veterans eat for free. Thank you so much for your service. Ten boneless wings for all vets that walk in. Free boneless wings, ten fr- free wings and fries for all vets that walk in all day long here at Buffalo Wild Wings. So uh, that's really cool. Damon, you laugh. Why do you laugh? You trying, to, you trying to come up with something so you can get some boneless wings for free or what? Uh, yeah, that too. But also, it was just everything that you said there as we were coming back from break when you said put your foot into it. I thought you were giving me a shout out oh, for being footless in the studio. Gross. That's right. And I then you mentioned all the combat sports out there. Dana White also announced that there's going to be a new um, Power Slap League. That's the name of the that's league. That's right. Would you be interested in watching that, Q? No, not <laughs> at all. But I, I did want to ask. I actually meant to ask Sam Gordon about that. You guys got caught up in conversation, and I forgot. It, it slipped my mind. What do you think about that that slap? That slap league, whatever that is. 
I think that's the one thing I can't get behind. Just watching two people just stand there and slap each other, it just makes me feel like queasy on the inside. It's like, what are we watching here? It's too barbaric for me. Well, first of all, if you get slapped, it's the most disrespectful thing that could happen to you, right? If someone slaps me, I want to fight. I mean, straight up. And I'm not a violent dude, but if you slap me, I want to fight you. Unless, you know, obviously – you know, if you're a female, it's different. But obviously, that's a whole other conversation, which doesn't happen very often. And I don't think it's even happened more than once or twice in my life. But the point is, I, I just think that that's the most disrespectful. Like, if a dude slaps you, like, it is your job to beat the brakes off him. You know what I mean? Like, when Will Smith went up there and slapped Chris Rock, I still believe that's fake because it's Chris Rock's duty as a man to beat the brakes off the dude who slaps him. I mean, seriously. I don't care if you can't beat the brakes off that dude. <laughs> if a dude. No, seriously. If a dude slaps you, if he just comes up to you and slaps you, it is your duty to beat the brakes off him. Straight up. Straight up. Okay. I mean. Like, I, I had, a, I, I had a, a, a friend in school one time. There's two things that I think is really weak. If you want to fight someone, fine. Fight somebody. I, had, I, didn't, I never had a dude slap me because that would, like I said, you, that's an automatic beating. But I did have a dude one time punch me in the back of the head, and I thought that that was the lamest thing you could ever – I was like, that's what you did? That was your move? I was like, I don't even have to fight back on that one. So, yeah, did he want to fight? Yeah, I, I don't know because he, he punched me in the back of the head, and I kind of looked at him, and I was like, are you serious? Right? And I, I was like, that's, that was the move. That was the go-to. Like, that was kind of weak. And, uh, and everyone started, like, laughing at him when he did that. And uh, so it, it really never turned into anything, but it was just funny – that that was his go-to. Like, I'm going to punch you in the back of the head when you're not looking. That was the weakest thing i ever seen. And I know there's no rules to the game, but that was weak. So that's the second weakest thing you could ever do outside of a man slapping another man. So Chris Rock should have gave Will Smith the business. So we're out. We're both out on the Power Slap League. Yeah. Yeah, we're out of that. <laughs> we're, we're out on the Power Slap League. I am not out on the NFL, though. I do love the NFL, and I do uh, – <laughs> find this game very intriguing on Sunday just because I just don't know. There's so much mystery. Uh, I feel like I have a decent idea what the Raiders are going to look like, but I'll tell you right now, I have no clue what this Colts team is going to look like. I think they're going to come out, honestly, DeMond, I think they're going to come out with a lot of fire, right? I think they're going to come out of the locker room pumped up, fired up. Yeah, Jeff Saturday got me, you know, got, got us going. And then I think reality kicks in. You know what I mean? Like you can come, Thank you. You can come running out of, the, out of the locker room with all the juice in the world and then all of a sudden realize that, yeah, Goliath is across the field. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that, that the Raiders are just this super monster and this you know, well-oiled machine, but they're better than this team that they're about to face. Yeah, I mean, this no isn't doubt. one of the movies. You know, right. the whistle's still, whistle still going to blow. Right. Where, you know, they this are, ain't the damn water boy, yeah, right? I mean, you just, know, that's not happening. Get right? angry. <laughs> Jeff Saturday's just going to be pacing and be like, gentlemen, and everybody's just going to go run out, cut right. scene, 62-0. No, that's not what's happening. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, reality is that they're a bad team. If they weren't a bad team, Jeff Saturday wouldn't be the head coach. It'd still be Frank Wright. If their offensive line, for one reason or the other, and I, I'm, this is the one question that I really have about that, is the, the offensive line, I don't know why they're so bad. Because they, for the longest, have been really good. And they have a lot of good talent on that offensive line, and they spent some money on that offensive line, and they just are so underwhelming, right? I mean, look, I know the Raiders' offensive line struggles, but I understand why they struggle. They have one blue chipper on their offensive line. That's Colton Miller. Everyone else is still trying. It's like Colton Miller and them, right? I guess that's my new phrase, and them. Uh, Raider Fish and Berkeley is going to be like, no, Q, that was my line. It was. But I, I'm, I'm starting to think now, like, hey, you know what? 
He's right, right? It's it's Colton Miller and him. I, I like what uh you know, I like what Dylan Parham brings to the table. I think these next nine games are very important for Thayer Munford to see if he could really be the right tackle of the future. Uh, I think J- Jermaine Illuminor is just keeping the seat warm for now. And I don't know at what point Thayer Munford takes it over. But I do believe at some point if he has the capability of taking it over, he will. I just don't know when. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting, man. It really is going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out on Sunday. Now, I wanted to get to this call, and I meant to get to it way earlier in the show, but, I mean, the way things go, sometimes it just doesn't happen. I got a call on my Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line from my guy, P.E., in North Carolina, and him and his wife were here in Vegas uh, just a couple weekends ago. Uh, matter of fact, when the Raiders were playing the Saints, they were here in town. They, they toured Allegiant Stadium. Uh, me and the wife went and hung out with them for a little while, had some lunch with them and everything. So uh, got, to, got to hang out with P.E., really good dude. He called and left a voicemail that I, I had on my podcast today, but it was so good, and I love the way that, that he worded it. And I just thought, and I said it even on the show, I was like, man, I, I think I'm going to use this on the radio show. And, again, I wanted to play it earlier so people had plenty of time to respond. I know we only have a couple minutes, and it's a couple minutes long, but here is a fantastic call from PE in North Carolina talking about paying the pilot to land the plane. Two, we pay the pilot to land the plane. Quick story. Took a trip out to Vegas recently. But look, when we got on that plane, too, when we got to the airport, we saw the air control tower. When we got to the plane, we saw the maintenance people maintaining the plane. We saw people putting bags on the plane. When we got on the plane, we saw the pilot. We saw the co-pilot, the stewardesses and all that. So look, we take our seats and we take off. We get up in the air. Everything is cool, right? But what if, Q, but what if during that flight we run into bad weather or we run into turbulence or there's a mechanical failure? Thankfully, it wasn't. But what if it was? We pay the pilot, Q, to land the plane. The pilot doesn't look to the co-pilot. The pilot doesn't look to the stewardess crew. The pilot doesn't look to air traffic control. We pay the pilot to land the plane, Q. Regardless of everything that happened before that trip, before that plane took off, at that point it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anymore. Because guess what? Somebody got to land the plane. That's why we pay the pilot the big buck, to land the plane. We saw a couple years back where the guy landed the plane on the Hudson River. I know everybody remembers that. But that's what we pay the pilot for. We pay the pilot when all hell breaks loose, he's got to land the plane. He doesn't look to other people. He doesn't make excuses about why whatever happened, happened. He just got to land the plane. And Q, my quarterback is not landing the plane right now. I don't care about what happened during the week. I don't care how your week of practice was. I don't care what play call it was. I don't. It doesn't matter. Because at that point in the game, you got the ball in your hands and you got the opportunity to land the plane. You got the opportunity to go down and score and win the game. Derek got to stop looking around, looking to blame other people, and he's looking for everybody else to land the plane but him. But everybody's looking at him like, nah, you the pilot, dude. You go land the plane. You go win the game. That's what he got to start doing, Q. He got to start going, winning the game at the end. There you go right there, PE in North Carolina. I thought that story was amazing. 
I, I really was. Even though I heard the story multiple times uh, and, and, you know, listening back to it, it's almost like it was the first time I heard it. I thought it was great. I thought it was a great way to summarize it. And, and it's funny because my response to it, and DeMond, I'll ask you, as I know you listened to it, and probably for the first time you actually got to hear the whole call in its, in its entirety. When I heard that call, I agree 100%. Like, you do pay the pilot to land the plane. My only question is, as he mentioned, Derek is the pilot, and he's supposed to land the plane. My only question is, is Derek the pilot? Is that the guy that's expected to land the plane? Is it Josh McDaniels, or is it someone else who's the actual pilot, right? Do the Raiders have a pilot? And that's why I meant to play the call earlier in the show, because I thought it would be, get some good, intriguing feedback, and I hate that I did it at the end of the show, but I, I could not go without letting it play. So when you hear that, what are, what are your thoughts? Because, again, I think it's very intriguing. At first, I was like, oh, he's just telling a story. I didn't know where the story was going when he was right. first started telling right. it. And then when he mentions, like, hey, the pilot doesn't look at it, I was like, oh, I see where this is going. And, yes, Derek Carr, in this analogy, he is the pilot. And, yes, that makes perfect sense for where the quarterback, you have to land the plane. When it comes to, hey, like, it shouldn't matter. The excuses go out the window. I know, like, so many times, I hate to say this phrase, but, you know, look at the greats. They're not blaming other people. It's a lot of, like, Derek Carr, he's great at saying, hey, this is on me. Well, Aaron Rodgers is blaming everybody. Okay. Aaron Rodgers <laughs> is blaming everybody that he can. Oh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers aside. But Derek Carr, <laughs> he's great at doing the, hey, that's on me. And when it comes to PE's call about you got to land the plane, if you just land the plane, you don't have to come up with a, hey, I'll be better next time. It's on me. Just do your job in the moment so you don't have to say my bad after. Is, is to, okay, now my question is, and I know we don't have much time, is he truly the pilot or is he the co-pilot? Is Josh McDaniels really the pilot of this? Yeah, in, a, in an actuality, yes, Josh McDaniels is the actual pilot. So then maybe he needs to land the plane. And Derek's got to be the co-pilot. Not that I'm saying that that's the right order, the pecking order, right? Because, again, he's on the field. So, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's why it's, it's intriguing to think about it and really, really sit there and think about it and, and, and you know, come up with the, with the solution. And maybe, just maybe, in a roundabout way, maybe the Raiders don't have a pilot yet. You know? I know damn well Josh Jacobs, his approach to the games is, like, he's the pilot. How many times have we heard him after the game say, I told these guys, get on my back and follow me, right? I don't necessarily think the pilot has to be the quarterback. I think the pilot is the guy that says, follow me, I'm going to get it done. How many times has Josh Jacobs done that? I think that was a great call from PE, and I think that was great, a great way to drop the mic on the show so it gives you something to think about heading into the weekend. Raider Nation, I know a lot of folks are going to be gathering at the Rockstar tomorrow uh, as everyone prepares for Sunday at uh, the Colts. Entering the Legion Stadium, have fun, and we'll see you at the Torch on Sunday. This is Radio 920. We're out.